0: Into our lives. He's so bright that he overcomes any darkness. He overcomes any weight. He overcomes any sickness. He overcomes anything that would be hindering us in our lives. Where to turn right and where to turn left. Whether to take this job or to take that job. Whether to go to marry this person or to marry that person. turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse, starting with verse 13. How many know that as believers, we're supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth? Somebody say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, and the New King James says this: You are the salt of the earth. Somebody just tell it to yourself this morning and say, I am, I am the salt of the, earth. of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are a light, are the light of the world. Somebody say, I am am. the light of the world. world. Verse fourteen says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Circle that in your Bibles this morning. Good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It goes on to say this, verse 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For as surely I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, one jot or what tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. How many of you let the light of Christ shine throughout your week, throughout your day, when you were out shopping, when you were out with your family? You know, sometimes the hardest thing to do is let your light, shine, light of Christ shine around your family. Yeah. I'm the only one. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. We ought to have our light shining before men. Uh, showing others about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He goes on and even said that you are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So you're supposed to let your light shine and show the good works of Jesus Christ. Sometimes the only way someone's going to know about Jesus is by your demonstration, by what you do, by how, you're, how you live your life, by your example. And so over the holiday, I got to thinking about how powerful light is. How many have ever had a, a flashlight or something that just shined in your light and it was just too bright? Brother Joel, would you pass me my flashlight? I asked him to grab me one real quick. And uh, and so over the week, I was just thinking things, Brother I was thinking about a flashlight. You see how bright this flashlight is? It's not, not very it's typically too bright. But I started watching this guy getting a flashlight. It was the world's brightest flashlight. And it lights up uh, close to 30, uh, I think it was 32,000 lumens. That's how bright the flashlight is. Now this flashlight is not near anywhere near that flashlight. Lumens tell us uh, equals the brightness of something, and, and so you know watts. You know many times you know in the old bulbs they used to say they used to measure it in watts, but watts is what measures or measures energy use. New LED technology you measure the lumens, which is how bright something is.
1: And so all of a sudden,
0: he was shining this light, this flashlight. And so, you know, on average, the sun has 10,000 lumens per square foot. So you kind of get an idea of how bright something is. And so um, and so as I was watching this video, this guy, he went and got this paint. And it was this special kind of paint that he was trying to take. He took like a, a, a ping pong ball, and he painted it. And he painted it uh, black. And it was almost like uh, a—he uh, a, was trying to create what was like a black hole. And so then he also painted it on a wall. And he would take his flashlight. He would shine it on it. And what was what was interesting is he was trying to see would that darkness, would that that thing, would it be, would it be able, would the light end up overpowering it? How I many know light always overpowers darkness? And so he took that flashlight, that thirty-two thousand lumen flashlight, and he shined it on. On the, uh, on, on, on the screen where, where he had that painted. And all of a sudden, he thought that it might still show the darkness, but the light was so powerful that it just shined right on it, that you couldn't even tell that that black spot was there. And so I got to thinking about how light is in our life, and how the light of Jesus Christ is, and how powerful the light is to overcome, how Jesus, how we are the light of the world, the light lives in us. We overcome darkness of the world. Jesus brings light into our lives. He's so bright that he overcomes any darkness. He overcomes any weight. He overcomes any sickness. He overcomes anything that would be hindering us in our lives. Somebody say, praise God. And so it was amazing to see how bright and how how, how it was and how it would overcome. And it reminded me that each one of us, we are the light of Jesus Christ. You are the light. Somebody just say, I am the light. I am the light. Because Jesus lives in you. Yeah. If Jesus isn't living on the inside of you, then you're not a light. Yeah. You've got to have Jesus living on the inside of you to be the light that's going to shine bright for all to see. Yeah. That you can be the example, that you can be like a light that's sitting on a, on a hill so that others can see that. How many of you have ever been driving as, you know, we were driving on the highway. You could see when the city was coming up because you could just see the glow of the city like it says in verse 16 let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The good works. I want you, to, if you underline that, if you circle that in your Bible, the good works come by following Jesus' commands and being led by the Holy Spirit. Somebody write that down in your notes today. If you got your bulletin, you can write it on the back. The good works come by following Jesus' commands in the Bible And being led, somebody say, being led by the Holy Spirit. It is vital. It is important. It is one of the most important things, not only to get saved, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. I want you to think about one of the representations of the Holy Spirit is fire. Somebody say, Holy Spirit, fire. Fire. One of the representations for the Holy Spirit is fire. One of the examples is Matthew chapter 3. He says this, John the Baptist predicts that Jesus will be the one who will bat the Holy Spirit and with fire. Somebody say fire. fire. See, when the Holy Spirit began his ministry of indwelling in the early church, how did that happen? On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit chose to appear as tongues of Five. resting on each of the believers. See, that means that everyone in the upper room, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues. At the moment that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them in Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. You can read about it. When the church was birthed, And so one of the representations and what does fire do? Fire puts off light. Fire it lights up a room. If you were around we had a bonfire a couple weeks back when we had the fire out there. You can see when you were around the fire because it produces light. And so fire is a wonderful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so what was interesting is that God that took this flashlight and he was shining that flashlight. He also had a thermal detector and what was interesting to me is he met he began to measure how hot that circle or that ping pong ball got as he was shining the lumen and the lights onto the hole and so all of a sudden that black hole got hotter and hotter and because it was trying you know why it got hotter because it was trying to absorb the light that was coming on. It was trying to absorb the light that was being shined on it and trying to absorb it faster than it could consume the light and show the darkness. In other words, that if there's something in your life that is dark, that's something that, that you need to get rid of, that all of a sudden when Jesus comes and he shines his light into your life, all of a sudden, his light is brighter, and all of a sudden, it begins to burn something on the inside of you that it can't. Oh, you're that darkness, that thing that the enemy tried to do. It can't absorb, it can't take the things, the light that God is trying to shine on your life faster than it can absorb amen That's why it's important that as you get filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden it's like you've got a fire shut up in your bones, that there's a fire, there's something on the inside, and all of a sudden that thing, that darkness can't stay anymore, that darkness can't can't hold on, because all of a sudden now, the thing that looked dark now, it's bright, it's just as bright as the thing that's shining on it, because darkness can never overcome light. And see, fire is that wonderful picture of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is like fire in many ways. We can say that the Holy Spirit brings God's presence, it brings God's passion, and it brings God's purity to your life. If you were here last Sunday, we did communion on Sunday on our day of thanks, and one of the things that I wanted to point out to everybody is that we need to be pure before God. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect, Amen. But we ought to be have no impurity. You know, I heard this. My pastor said this years ago, and it's always stuck with me. I love this statement. You know, it's okay to have imperfections. It's not okay to have impurities. If you have impurity in your life, if there's something, if there's some kind of sin, if there's some kind of thing that's living, in it, that's staying in your life, that you're not supposed to have in your life, then you need to get rid of that impurity. If you're living with someone that you're not married to and having sex with somebody that you're not married to, that's impurity. If you're cussing and and you're saying foul words and gossiping and doing all kinds of things, then that's impurity. You need to get that out of your life. You need to get so on fire for God that those things are removed out of your life. Amen? And so that's what I'm talking about. Then it says, if you write that down this morning, that we can say that the Holy Spirit's fire brings God's presence. It brings God's passion. And it brings God's purity to your life. I don't know about you, but there's not much else that I want to be passionate about than being passionate about Jesus Christ and about the Holy Spirit indwelling in my life. Amen? See, the Holy Spirit is the presence of God as he indwells the heart of a believer. I want you to look at this with me. In uh, In the Old Testament, it's interesting. In the Old Testament, God showed his presence to the Israelites with fire. Somebody say, what's fire? Fire. This fire, fiery presence provided light and guidance. I want you to go there quickly with me there. Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9. I'm going to start with verse, I believe it's verse 15. Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. But I want you to look at this in relation to how the Holy Spirit lives in our lives today. I want you to look at this. Numbers chapter 9 and verse 15 in the New King James Version. If you look at it on the screen as well, but in your Bible, look at this. It says, now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle in the tent of the testimony. I don't know about you, but if you don't get that, the tent, you, the Bible tells us about this, that your body is like a tent. And you have a testimony in your life. You're the tent of the testimony. And so it says, from evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle like an appearance. Of fire. Everybody say it together. Of fire. 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 So it was so it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, after the children of Israel would journey, in the place where the cloud settled, there the children of Israel would pitch their tents at the command of the Lord. And the children of Israel would journey, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. As long as the cloud stayed above the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud uh, was above the tabernacle, they remained in camp. Even when the cloud continued along many days above the tabernacle, the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not journey. So it was, when the cloud was above the tabernacle, as a few, a few days, according to the command of the Lord, they would remain in camp there. I want you, I kind of almost thinking of this like this. God knew what was around the corner. God knew, and so in other words, he would leave his presence there and protect the children of Israel. So instead of them walking into an ambush, God said, no, I want you to stay right here. God's working on and He's working on it and so according to the command of the Lord they would journey so it was when the cloud remained only from evening until morning the cloud was taken up in the morning and when they would journey whether day or by night whether but the cloud was taken up they would journey whether it was two days a month or a year that cloud remained above the tabernacle and the children of Israel would remain in camp and not journey that's amazing To think about that the presence of God, when God's presence, the cloud, the fire, was over the tabernacle, was over them, the children of Israel would stay there, whether it was one day, one month, one year, however the presence of God was there. And look at that. And so he says, and um, and would not journey. And when it was taken up, they would journey. At the command. Somebody say, at the command (laughs) of the Lord, they remained in camp. And at the command of the Lord, they journeyed. And they kept the charge of the Lord. The charge of the Lord. I want you to hear, what is the charge of the Lord? The command of the Lord. They were obedient to do what God said. I want you to think about this in relation to how is our relationship with Christ as New Testament believers. How does God speak to us? Does he show us a cloud and fire? No. He speaks to us by the fire that's on the inside. By the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside. He comforts us. He guides us. He watches over our souls. Somebody say amen. Amen. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by the hand of of Moses think about this in the New Testament 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 if you want to go there write that down because this is important that you are a New Testament Christian you're a New Testament believer sometimes it's good to go back and read in the Old Testament and, and, and kind of and the Old Testament is kind of a shadow of the new covenant if I've got uh, if I can have an upgrade in my phone I don't want to be using the iPhone 4 or the iPhone 1 I want to be having the iPhone 10 right when there's something new, when there's something better. See, God has given us a new covenant, a new testament, a new way for believers to live. And I think there's too many believers that are trying to walk in the ways of the old way instead of living in the fulfillment of what Jesus has already done. But look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. In the New Testament, God guides and comforts his children. Somebody say, I'm God's child. With the Holy Spirit dwelling in our bodies, the tabernacle. The Bible says that, that you are the tabernacle or the temple of the living God, the tent of God, the temple of the living God. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building that from God. A house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. But this is just temporary. He goes on to talk about how to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God wants you to have the presence of Almighty God living on the inside of you, guiding you, telling you where to go and where to stop. Where to turn right and where to turn left. Whether to take this job or to take that job. Whether to go to to marry this person or to marry that person. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit will guide you on the inside. God's word shines light into your life, and it begins to burn out all of the old ways, all of the old ways, all of the sin out of your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's right. Praise Him for a minute. Amen. Somebody just give God praise for 10 seconds this morning Father, we grant you today. We thank you today. We need you glory today. Revelation. Chapter 3 says this, verse 16. It says, So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I say that today because I want some of us to hear that maybe we aren't as passionate about God the way we ought to be passionate about Him. Maybe we are, aren't on fire for God the way we were when we first got saved. See, that's why it's important, parents. That you get on fire for God. And that you get your kids in the house of God. Because if you just say, well, you know what? Well, when they go to church camp, they'll get on fire. No, they need to be on fire for God every time they can get in the house of God. That they come on Sunday, fire on fire for God. That they come on Wednesday, on fire for God. Because if not, he says, if you're lukewarm. Somebody say, I'm not lukewarm. Amen. See, lukewarm. Lukewarm is not the status of going from cold to hot. But yet it is the status of going from hot to cold. I asked you today have you gone from being on fire, passionate, hot for God, to being. If ah, I make it, it's okay. If my kids gonna that's all right lukewarm is the status of not going from cold to hot because see when someone first comes to Christ they're cold they don't know who Jesus is they don't know about the Holy Spirit I mean I've seen it happen when, I, when I've, I've laid hands the Bible talks about Paul laying hands on people the apostles laying hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when someone starts speaking in tongues for the first time man they are on fire for God Man, they are just jumping up with joy, excited, just thanking God that, man, I'm speaking in tongues. I'm doing what the Bible talks about. Man, what a joy that is. What an excitement that is. And all of a sudden now, but yet what happens is sometimes as believers, we become weary every time. And As we've been doing it for a year, for another year, instead of going higher, we begin to become weary and well-doing. And we begin to say, well, you know what? I spoke in tongues last week. I don't need to speak in tongues this week. I prayed in my heavenly language last Sunday. I don't need to pray in my heavenly language this Sunday. I didn't See, we need to be on fire, passionate. Are you on fire for Jesus? Or, or, or have you been, you know, it's interesting to me. If you've ever been around a fire or seen a fire lit, the fire consumes once it's around. That's why. I always, you know, it's not that I just, I I mean, I do want people to come to church. I think that it's important that you come to church. But see, I think about this, that it's almost like the fire of God is in this place and in our lives. And it's like whenever you get around the fire, then all of a sudden the more fire, it begins to get hotter and more passionate and more on fire and more excited and more passionate. And all of a sudden it gets hotter and hotter and it begins to turn, it begins to stir, it begins to make things, weights fall off, it begins to burn things out of people's lives just for one touch of God's presence. But you know what I found? If I took a log, let's pretend like this was a little log, A hot coal, and I took it out of the fire, and all of a sudden it could be on fire. I couldn't even touch it, but yet if I took it and I scooted it over just this far away from the fire, eventually what happens to that coal? It begins to to dim. It begins to burn. See, it's got to be in the fire. It's got to be around the fire. You can't just be close to the fire. And that's what I see. I see some believers that they just give the church maybe once a month and they just get close enough to the fire that they kind of warm their hands up a little bit and then they say oh that's a little too hot I gotta step back a little bit but instead we need to get in the fire of God and get on fire of God because when you get on fire with God it will change your life it will change your circumstances it will change your situation somebody say amen consumes what's in it. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 I'll read verse 28 it says therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Verse 29, I love this. Verse 29, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Highlight it, circle it, mark it down in your Bible. Do whatever you got to do. It says, for our God, somebody say, my God, is a consuming fire. Come on, somebody say it with me this morning. Say, my God is a consuming fire. See, if God is the same, Yesterday, today, and forever. And I want you to think about this. If Jesus was is the Word, and His Word remains the same, and all of a sudden, in the beginning, was the Word? The Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 4, 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and blood among us. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is living on in the inside of you. Jesus is the Word, and He was born into this world so that He could redeem us. Because God was a consuming fire, then he is a consuming fire, And if he is a consuming fire, he will be a consuming fire. But the the fire does not consume what is in the fire. If you are in the fire, if you don't get in, I'm talking about the fire of God, you determine how much... God you want to have God will not force himself, the Holy Spirit says this, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he will not force himself on anyone he'll give you opportunity after opportunity, after opportunity after opportunity but eventually if you keep on denying the opportunity of God then you will miss your moment to receive the fire of the Holy Spirit Revelation 19, go there with me. Revelation 19, verse 11, it says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it was called faithful, but on him was called faithful and true. You say that again. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war his eyes circle that in your bible his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on a white horse now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he would strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the wine presses of the fierceness and the wrath of almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and Lord of lords. Come on, somebody give God some praise that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you. you. Lift your hands. Thank you. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's not going to be. That's who he is. And he lives on the inside of you. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives in you. Now I want you to understand. This is, you know, to understand that this is when Jesus comes back. I believe after, uh, the, uh, as He's coming back the third time, He'll be coming back with us, the saints. Amen. But verse twelve, look at that. His springs are like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Why were his eyes like a flame of fire? Because Jeremiah 1 tells us that God, that Jesus watches over his word to perform it. And so if the word of God is a consuming fire, then he watches over the word to perform it. He watches over the fire to make sure that the fire does what the fire is supposed to do. What is the fire of God's word performing in your life today? What is the fire of God's word doing in your life? How much word level? If you want to know how on fire for God, how much word level? I'm not talking about how much do you think about it or how much do you just, you know, sometimes, you know, we got to get some stinking thinking out of our lives. If you go around and say, well, every time it rains, my you know, my, my back starts hurting. That stinking thinking that needs to get burned out of your life because that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God does not say, when it rains, my back hurts. The word of God does not say that that the word of God says that when you wake up in the morning, that his mercies are new, that he renews your strength. And so when you wake up in the morning, you begin to speak and say, today is going to be a good day. Today I'm going to walk in the anointing of the Lord. I thank you today. My leg might not have hurt yesterday, but I thank you, Lord, it's going to work today. I thank you, Lord, my hand might not have worked yesterday, but it's going to work today. I thank you, Jesus, ahead of time. And you begin to speak by the word and the fire of God in your life. Yeah, yeah. Because without having fire on the inside, see if you don't have the word of God on the inside. That's why it's so important. That like I tell these guys and these guys, these ushers and stuff, I want them to not be out in the hallway. I want them to be in the fire. Yeah. I want them to be in the service. I want all the believers to be in here so that they can receive because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So what are some words that Jesus mentioned and tells us and he said that he committed to about the Holy Spirit, about the fire? I already read earlier about how John the Baptist predicted that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. But look quickly before we go in John chapter 16. Go there with me to John chapter 16 and verse 7. John chapter 16 and this is Jesus saying this here. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. I don't know about you, but somebody says that this is to your advantage. I kind of like that. This is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And who is that helper? Who is the one that Jesus is going to send? Who is the helper? It's the Holy Spirit. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. That's why the people that aren't even saved, that don't even know anything about Jesus, they know when something's right and when something's wrong. I mean, you remember? I got a little three-year-old. And she knows whether or not something's right or something's wrong. Because the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in Jesus. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. In other words, Satan's already been judged. He already knows. We already overcome. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been redeemed by Jesus Christ. He says, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, somebody say, however, when he the Spirit of truth, thank God the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, has come He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whenever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. And he will take of what is mine and declare it to you.